Welcome back to another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. And today is the day that I admit seven things to you that I have been afraid to share with the world. But I believe in showing up authentically here with you guys on my podcast, online, social media. I want to be as authentic as possible in a world where you never really know what's real. So I decided to do a little fun episode today, a little twist on kind of like what we normally do and talk about seven different things I'm afraid to admit to you. So some of these are financial related, some of these are personal, but they are all things that make me uncomfortable. So it's going to be a little bit of a tough episode for me, but I think at the end it will probably feel really good to get off of my chest and also just remind you that I'm human as well and I'm not perfect, especially when it comes to personal finance. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven-figure net worth, quit my nine to five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way. If I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July Podcast. This year is all about self-care, reprioritizing ourselves and our well-being in our own lives and taking back control of our time in order to make space for the things that feel good to us. I hope your financial self-care makes your list, and that's why I'll be hosting a free one-hour wealth workshop. Join me as we walk through three secrets to building lasting wealth, plus the single most important step to cracking the financial code. I could say I'm too busy with other things, or I could make space for this in my schedule. And this year, I'll be doing both. I will prioritize myself as well as my other commitments. I hope you'll do the same by joining me for one hour of financial self-care. Learn more at jessicatoller.com slash free workshop. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. All right, this first one I have been avoiding talking about publicly and also just sometimes like avoiding thinking about it altogether. So let's just rip the bandaid off and start with this one. So seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number one, Corey and I currently have a credit card that's completely maxed out. (laughs) I, it feels so weird to even say that. Like I, okay, just in case you're new here, let me just catch you up. So let me lay the, the background. Last June, We closed on a house here in El Salvador. So we are living in El Salvador currently as I record this episode. And our plan was to move to El Salvador, right? So we bought the house in June, but we have a house in Austin. So between the time we bought the house here and we actually moved down here, we had to go back to the States and deal with our house in Austin. So what that means is we decided that we were going to put that house in Austin up on short-term rental. Now we had a lot of stuff that we needed to do to get ready for that. Namely, we needed new furniture throughout the house. We kind of just 
collected a hodgepodge of just random furniture throughout the years because we like to save money. (laughs) So none of our furniture really matched. A lot of it wasn't super updated. So we needed to replace a lot of the furniture. We needed to paint the house. We needed to do all of these things that our short-term rental management company told us would make our house rent out better, right? So we, our plan was to put that house on Airbnb and it needed a bunch of updates essentially to get a good occupancy rate. So we decided that instead of spending our money on it, we were going to get a credit card with a 0% interest rate. So we did. We got a 0% interest rate credit card. I think the limit, the maximum limit is like $10,000 on it. And we just put all of our expenses for that house on that credit card. So we were buying things on Facebook Marketplace. A lot of stuff came from Amazon. I can't tell you how many expenses on that card are from Home Depot, from different paint and tools and all the stuff that we needed throughout the summer to get that house ready to rent out. Now, <laughs> let me just say, as someone who talks about personal finance strategy, like I do not recommend maxing out credit cards just like as a general rule. But I want to be clear that the reason we decided to to use this credit card so heavily is because it is 0% interest for a year, which means we got to spend the money on the card, spend someone else's money on the card, essentially, keep our money in our bank account or in our investments to keep growing, more importantly, and then we can slowly pay off this card for a year. So we felt that instead of spent like you know spending our own money or taking money out of investments to put toward our rental house, we would just put the money on a zero percent credit card so we could let the money in our investments continue to grow, and then pay off the credit card before the year mark where the interest starts hitting and we would have to pay interest on that card. So that is still the plan. We have zero percent until I believe September of this year. And we are currently paying down the credit card, but it does feel really weird to admit that we have a credit card that's maxed out. So in my mind, it's like this naughty thing, right? But what I'm saying is I think that if you use it in a smart way and you make sure that you've got 0% and you have a plan in place and you have the funds to make sure you can pay that off. Like if we need to pay off the $10,000 we have on that card today, we could do it. We could sell different stocks and we could come up with that money if we had to. So don't go max out a credit card if you don't have money somewhere to pay for it. But again, still for me as someone who has been always very careful with credit cards and debt, it feels very weird to admit that we have a credit card that's essentially like all the way maxed out right now. So that is my item number one that I've been afraid to admit to you. Seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number two. This one is more about, in a way, our marriage and in a way just, I don't know, I want, you know, I feel like if you follow me on Instagram, like everything always looks so beautiful here in El Salvador. So I just, I want to just be honest with you about this. Item number two is that the first six weeks here in El Salvador were actually incredibly emotionally taxing. Okay. So like I said, we bought the house in here in El Salvador. We had this whole plan about how we're going to move down here. And we actually ended up driving here. So if you missed that on social media or on the podcast, you should check out episode 13. 
where you can get a play-by-play of our drive from Texas to El Salvador. It's a nine-day drive from Texas to El Salvador. Me, my husband, and our three dogs in a Suburban towing a trailer. It's crazy, and it's worth a listen. So if you haven't listened to it, check it out, jessicatoller.com slash 013. But the reason I mention that is because we were so focused on essentially surviving that drive because, you know, anyone we told, oh, we're driving through Mexico and we're driving through Guatemala to get to El Salvador. Anyone we told that to told us that we were crazy and we were going to get kidnapped and murdered and all of these things. So we were so focused on planning that drive out to a T, planning our route, making sure we weren't going to drive at night. Where are we going to stay? We've got to find dog-friendly hotels, make sure we have like all the stuff in the car in case anything goes wrong with the car. We were so focused on that that I personally did not even give any thought to what it would be like once we actually got here. You know, I was not expecting how stressful our first couple months would be in this new country. So again, like we were so focused on what was supposed to be a six-day drive ended up being a nine-day drive that uh, I hadn't even thought about how big of a life change it would be to, you know, you're moving to a brand new place and not even like a new place, like an entirely new country with different customs and different traditions and habits. And, you know, everything is so different. And they speak a different language here, a language that neither Corey nor I speak very well yet. So, you know, just in theory, it seemed like such a fun adventure, but I had not actually considered the realities of what it would be like once we got here. And so let me talk you through those first six weeks. Once we finally made it to El Salvador, After our friends kind of got us settled and we were sort of left to start building our life here, it was, it was, it was hard. So the first thing that happened is in this country, there are two distinct seasons. One of them is dry season. One of them is wet season or rainy season. And the time that we had been back in Texas preparing our house there for rental, it was rainy season here in El Salvador, which means that You know, we bought the house in early June here in El Salvador. So the house sat from June till November unoccupied during rainy season. Okay. And we don't have rainy season in Texas. So we don't know all of the things that you're supposed to do to your house and all of your things to make sure everything's okay. So when we came back to El Salvador in November at the end of rainy season, there was like mold all throughout our house. Okay like everywhere. Everything we had left here, we had left some clothes. Corey had left a bunch of electronics, journals, spirals, like literally everything was all the way molded out. You could just smell it in the house. It was gross. So I guess you were supposed to, you know, you need someone to come air your house out. You need people to check that things aren't molding. You need to be spraying like we use vinegar all the time now here. We didn't know that. So the first thing is, you know, we're living in this house that's like super moldy and I'm not like, I'm not really, I I know there's mold everywhere. Okay. Like I know that I'm not super sensitive to it, but the magnitude of mold that was in our house, the fact that you could smell it was concerning. And one day when I was here by myself, Corey had gone to deal with some of the legal stuff in the city. You know, we've got these vehicles. He had to go do a bunch of stuff legally, which I'll talk about in a minute. So he was gone one day and I was cleaning the house as best I could. And, you know, when you're cleaning mold, I guess there's a certain way to do it that I've never been 
exposed to before because I've never had to like clean mold like this before. But anyway, I don't think I was doing it right because I'm pretty sure I'm just like scrubbing and spreading the spores all around because then I got a rash like all over my body that I assume is from me just like inhaling and cleaning mold all day. So that was big issue number one is like I was really freaked out by that. I had a rash pretty much all over my body and that scared me. That's I've never had that before. That really scared me. So that was the first one of the first things that I really struggled with. Another thing that I really struggled with was actually our very first morning here in El Salvador. We went down to the beach to grab breakfast and one of our dogs almost got attacked. So my beagle almost got attacked. There was a larger dog. She lunged at him and tried to attack him. And I reached my hand in to sort of block her. And she didn't actually get him. He cried for like a straight minute after that. I think it just scared him. But she ended up biting me instead. And I'm okay. She did puncture my hand a bit. It wasn't like super serious, but I was honestly just very rattled by that. So we came home. Corey, again, had to go deal with like some legal stuff that that first morning. So I stayed home by myself and I just like, I was literally shaking and I just cried. (laughs) I just like cried. I was alone. He could not be here because he literally had to go deal with like legal deadlines. And I was just really upset because I thought, you know, the first thing that happened, I felt like it was a bad omen. And I was thinking that like, I brought my dogs to a place where maybe they aren't safe, you know, and our fence isn't at the time it wasn't super secure around our yard. So I was worried there's going to be other animals coming in that were able to get them. So I was like really freaked out by that. And then the third thing that I really struggled with in the beginning was we, what we brought down here is we had a suburban, we towed a trailer. And then on that trailer, we towed two street legal dirt bikes and some of our, our other things. But as far as vehicles, we just had, we had one car that we were sharing and then we had the two street legal dirt bikes, right? So most of what Corey had to do these first six weeks was he had to run around like a crazy person and deal with all this legal stuff in the city, which is like 45 minutes from where we are. And let me just tell you, you do not want to ride a motorcycle in the city if you can avoid it. You, you, It's way better if you have a car. Like it's freaky enough in a car on a motorcycle is like terrifying. So he would always take the car. Well, in the first six weeks, I was not confident enough to ride my dirt bike alone. I honestly needed more practice. I needed more coaching from Corey. So I was pretty much just stuck at the house by myself and we did not have internet. So I couldn't work on my business, my passion. I felt very much like without a purpose and I cleaned the house as much as I could, but I was kind of freaked out to be here anyway because of the mold. But then I was freaked out to leave because our dogs are here and I couldn't even really leave anyway because I didn't have means of transportation. So I just felt like very without a purpose. I felt frustrated because I felt very, very dependent on Corey. You know, he is leading all the legal stuff. He needed the car more than me. He knows more people here than I do. So I felt very dependent on him. I did not like how that felt. And then from his perspective, he was super stressed out because he had to deal with all the legal stuff. So we actually put all of our vehicles solely in his name on purpose because we read that on the drive down here from Texas at every border, 
whoever's name is on the title, that's the person who has to kind of go into the customs office and deal with everything. So we figured let's put everything in Corey's name so that he can go in at every border. He can deal with all of that stuff and I can stay in the car and watch all of our stuff and our dogs. So we had planned it that way. But now, you know, we're living in El Salvador. His name is on the vehicles. Mine is not. So he has to go to the city to get the temporary import permits. He has to go to the city to get the plates. He has to go to the city to get all the legal stuff for for mainly our vehicles. And it's it's been a huge process for him. And, you know, it's complicated. Any legal thing is complicated anyway. But pair that with the fact that everything's in Spanish and we don't really speak Spanish. It, it was a mess. He was stressed out and he was emotionally tied up with that. I was emotionally tied up with basically second guessing our decision to come here, feeling a bit trapped at the house, worrying about our dogs, not having a purpose, feeling super reliant on Corey. And honestly, it was really hard. It was hard. And the six weeks they ended in just this huge argument between Corey and I, it was actually the way that I'm laughing now because the way that it started, it was like, okay, it was the weekend before our vehicle So as I record this, our Suburban is literally in Guatemala. It's in timeout in Guatemala because it's only allowed to be in El Salvador for 60 days at a time unless we get it legalized, which we just haven't done yet for a variety of reasons. Now, we knew that that deadline was coming up. I knew eventually I was going to have to get on my dirt bike, my motorcycle, and learn how to ride that if I wanted to have any kind of freedom and be able to leave the house. So I put it off and I put it off and it's the weekend before we're taking our Suburban out of the country And Corey says, let's spend the day working on your dirt bike skills or whatever. So we get all geared up. I like get all my pads on. So many clothes. I can hardly like move my arms and it's hot here and I'm sweating. We like go over to the driveway, get on the motorcycles and our driveway is pretty steep. And uh, I don't know if you've ever ridden a dirt bike or a motorcycle, but for me, the hills are the hardest to navigate, especially as someone who, again, I felt like I was starting from scratch. It had been several months since I had been on a motorcycle. And literally, first thing that happens is I I don't even know what I did, to be honest with you, but I, I, I just tipped, I pretty much just tipped over. I didn't give it enough gas or I hit it into neutral. I don't know. The bike tipped over, didn't even make it three feet up the driveway. Bike tipped over, broke off the clutch, which is one of the handful of things you have to have to use a motorcycle. And uh, <laughs> and Corey's like, well, I guess you're not riding your dirt bike today or something. He said something and it's just like all of this pent up anxiety. And, you know, in some ways I felt resentment because I was so dependent on him in those first couple months. All of these things in that moment just poured out of me. I was embarrassed I just, I just cried and it was this huge fight because he was stressed. I was stressed. We hadn't been communicating because we were both basically emotionally unavailable to each other in those first six weeks. And it was not our best day, but you know, I'm glad that it happened because it forced us to finally slow down and prioritize each other again and talk about how have you been feeling? Why are you so stressed out? And okay, here's how I'm feeling. Here's why I'm so stressed out. And can we approach this as a team again? And can we be emotionally available to each other? And can we work together instead of separately and alone? So it was, it was a hard six weeks. And it was a hard day when that finally, that finally happened in, uh, it was actually December 22nd. I remember the exact day that it happened. And I'm grateful that it did, even though it really sucked at the time. But that is item number two that I've been afraid to admit to you is, you know, Yeah, I'm sure online it looks so great and so fun. And it has been. Don't get me wrong. It's been such a fun adventure. But really, those first six weeks here, 
they were hard. They were really, really hard. And I wanted to be honest about that here with you on the show. Seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number three. This is another financial one. So the thing I'm afraid to admit to you is lately we have actually been really stressed out about money. So it feels weird to admit that because my entire platform is built on the fact that if you invest and you build up your net worth and you work on passive income and cash flow and all of these things that you can feel more free. And I believe that to my core because I've experienced it. But just because you have a high net worth or you have investments or you have all of this stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is always going to go smoothly, financially speaking. And for us right now, that is the case. And the reason being is mainly due to our rental house. So like I mentioned, we have the house in Austin. We have it on a short-term rental, meaning it's being used with Airbnb, VRBO, all of those companies. But we have a rental management company who manages the whole thing for us, and they take 25% of the revenue, okay? When we signed up with them, they told us that we would be pulling in, I think, profit, Corey and I's profit would be like $100,000 a year. Plenty of money to cover all of our expenses for that house and then to have left over to live our life here. So for us here, that's literally just groceries and gasoline and other fun stuff, but namely groceries and gasoline. Well, we did the numbers last week and the rental management company, the numbers that they're promising us, they have a month to month breakdown and they've been performing at average 25% of what they projected for us. So literally a fourth, (laughs) which puts us in a position of a cash flow loss. So what that means is Every month, kind of like if you work for an employer, employer, every month they give you a paycheck. It goes into your account and you use that to pay your bills every month, right? For us, our rental house, I guess you could kind of see that as you could pretend that's like your employer. And every month it pays us when people rent it out, right? And then we live off of that money. Well, it's kind of like if your employer promised you a certain salary, say they promised you $100,000 a year, but then you actually find out you're only going to be making $25,000 a year. It's kind of like that. So essentially, the money that we're getting from that house is not covering the expenses. So we've been really stressed out lately because we have been having to sell investments to pay for our monthly bills, which I don't recommend doing that. And I don't like doing that. It was never our plan to do that. But like I said, we tried something with this rental management company and it's not working out. So that's something I've been afraid to admit to you, but I think it's important because I think there's a good lesson here. And this is something that Corey and I have been talking a lot about because we've been spending a lot of time stressing out and worrying about this rental company and thinking, oh, maybe we'll like, let's just see how it goes through the summer. I'm sure it's going to pick up. Well, we finally decided the other day to say no more. We're canceling with them. We're going to get a long-term tenant. And we're going to move forward with that. So we got 90 more days with them. And then we're going to get a long-term tenant in there so we can have reliable cash flow every month. So again, good lesson to us. It's it's good to try new things. We thought we would make more money by renting the house out on a short-term rental, Airbnb style, than we would with a long-term tenant. For us, that is not the case. And so now we're changing course, essentially. We're, quote unquote, failing fast is the, the quote that I like to use, right? 
So in any case, it's been really stressful lately in terms of our cash flow and then having to sell investments that aren't as high as they should be right now. So we're selling investments. We're trying to sell things that we're up on. But at the end of the day, we have to pay the bills. So we have the money. We just don't want to pull it out of investments. Our investing strategy is leave your money alone. Let it grow. Don't be pulling it out to pay your expenses. You need to keep your expenses low. But for us, our rental house that we do consider an investment, it's got all these expenses that now aren't being covered because it's not producing enough cash flow to cover the costs of running itself. So that is item number three that I have been afraid to admit to you is that we've been really stressed out about money lately, but I'm happy to report we do have a plan. I will keep you posted on how that goes. Seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number four. So this one's pretty personal, and I don't know why it's so weird to talk about this stuff out loud, but here's the truth. So as I'm getting older and starting to work toward going more natural with things like my hair color, for example, I do not feel as beautiful as I once did, <laughs> which I know there's some of you listening who are like rolling your eyes, but that that's the truth. You know, I'm, I don't want to alter my body or inject things into it because it goes against my personal belief that we as a society should really honor the natural aging process. But I would be lying to you if I said, yeah, you know, I feel just as confident and as beautiful as ever because that is not the case. I hate it, but I still feel this need to be using filters online. You know, I don't, love how I seem to only look in the mirror for imperfections. And I get frustrated by the fact that when I, again, and in this effort to go more natural, I went off hormone-based birth control years ago. And ever since then, my skin started breaking out regularly. So all of these things are internal struggles that I battle quietly often. And I definitely have some mindset and some self-love work that I need to do personally around that. And that is ongoing in this area. But it is a core belief that I hold that we should not have to alter ourselves to fit some beauty standard. So it's my intention to live that truth in my own life and instead work on the things within myself to continue to feel confident and beautiful and worthy. But again, I would be lying if I said that worked every single day. And I would be lying if I said... I feel just as confident as I always have because it's not true. So that is item number four that I've been afraid to admit to you is that it's hard to stand by my own beliefs sometimes that we should all just be who we are, look how we look, age how we age and be okay with that. I do believe that, but it's just, it's hard to feel it some days. Seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number five. So... For this one, we're talking finance again, but we're talking a different aspect of finance. Let's talk about crypto, okay? So for someone who believes in crypto, which I do, well, let me be clear. Specifically, I'm talking about Bitcoin. For someone who believes in Bitcoin, I have not prioritized learning how to do it because I've been relying probably a bit too much on Corey. Now, I personally do not see a future where Bitcoin is not a currency that's used around the world. Going into that would be a little bit too much for this episode, but that that is my belief. I do not see a future where that is not the case. 
I also don't see a future where money isn't digital. Having paper money is such an antiquated thing. Think about it. You probably use cards way more than you carry cash, right? Well, the next step is to get rid of the cards and have it just be on the phone. We're seeing some of that already being done with Apple Pay, Google, Google Pay, all of those things. Well, take it one step further. I just, I, I don't see a world where governments aren't digitizing currencies like the U.S. is going to digitize the dollar. But Bitcoin allows the people to keep control of their own currency. And as you guys have been seeing with a lot of the things that have been happening in terms of like inflation, for example, I think the more time that passes, the more people are going to realize the value of Bitcoin. Okay, that's my personal belief. So for someone who really believes this much, I have not prioritized learning it. We're here in El Salvador, the first country in the world to legalize Bitcoin as a legal tender. This is one of the main reasons we moved here. And I still don't feel confident going to a store by myself and paying for something in crypto because I'm, I'm usually with Corey and he'll just do it. So I don't love that. I value knowledge. I value experience. And it's something that I guess I'm publicly admitting now so that I will light a fire under my butt to actually start using it and to figure it out. So this is my announcement to the world that that's something that I will be doing. So if you're not familiar with crypto, a lot of people aren't yet, or specifically, again, I'm talking about Bitcoin. There, The documentary that I watched that really helped me understand it and really the light bulb came on for me. It's really good. It's called The Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. It's on YouTube. I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything like that, but it's definitely on YouTube and it's kind of done like a movie. So it's very entertaining. It's easy to watch. And for me, that made the light bulb come on for me in terms of believing in Bitcoin. So I think that's the first step for everyone. You need to understand what it is and decide whether or not you believe in it. And then there's this whole second piece of actually using it, which is also incredibly important. So that is something that I need to really prioritize in my life. Seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number six. So it's the beginning of 2023. I am turning 33 this year, which is crazy to think about. And I'm finally starting to feel the inkling of, I think I'm ready to start a family soon. I'm not talking about like this year. I don't even know about next year, but in the next few years, I think I will be ready to start a family and have some kids. Okay. I, for most of my life, like my parents had me at age 39 and I always really respected that because they spent so much time making sure that their marriage was strong. They had a financial foundation. They did a bunch of the stuff that they wanted to do that wasn't really like super kid friendly. And I've always wanted to do that in my own life. And I feel very much like I'm well on my way to doing that. Now, my parents were married for like almost 20 years before they had kids. So I don't know if I'll wait that long. But uh, I again, I want to make sure the marriage is really rock solid. I want to make sure our finances are good, which for the most part, I think we're, we're okay there. And um, hell, we moved to a different country. I think we're doing some things that maybe we wouldn't do if we had kids younger. Who knows? But I think I'm ready soon. But the thing I'm afraid to admit to you is I'm not actually sure where I want to raise our family. I don't know where I want to raise our kids. When we moved to El Salvador, we always kind of said, let's do six months there and let's see how we like it. And maybe we'll do six months in El Salvador, then go six months in the States and we'll kind of alternate. 
I don't know. I don't know where I want to raise my children. I feel, sadly, like there's a lot of problems in the United States that have only become more obvious when I left. But on the flip side, I'm not sure if I can see myself raising kids here in El Salvador yet. But I will say one thing that's really great that's kind of come of this international move is it's really sort of opened my mind to the fact that you can pretty much move to any country you want and have a life there. I mean, of course, there are rules like we're juggling this visa thing right now, for example, you know, every six months we have to leave the country or we have to ask for an extension or we have to start the process of becoming permanent residents. And, you know, if you're trying to move to any other country, there's rules like that you have to navigate. But, you know, theoretically... If you follow whatever process, you can go move to a different country. I know that's not true for every single country in every single situation, but I'm just talking broadly. And also as an American, which I understand is a huge privilege, you can move different places and raise your family there. So I don't know where I want to raise our family. And I don't know why I'm afraid to admit that. I think it's because I like to have a plan. I like to know. I like for things to be certain. I don't know if I want to do it in the U.S. I don't know if I want to do it in El Salvador. I don't know where else I would want to do it, but it's something that I'm starting to think about. I'm not at a point yet where I can see us doing that here. The more I think about the states, I just, I don't know if I want to, I, I don't know if I want to do it in Austin anymore, which is hard to admit because I honestly thought I would stay in Austin forever. I loved growing up in Austin. I'm so proud to be from Austin, but it's changed so much from the Austin that I loved it's so different. So I don't know. Maybe there's other places in the U.S. that we would like. I don't know. It's this huge question mark. And I guess I have fear around it because I feel like until we figure that out, I'm not going to be ready to start a family. But I'm sure anyone listening who has kids is probably going to tell me there's no right time and you always like adapt. And I know that's true, but it feels like this mental block essentially kind of moving forward and being like, okay, I'm ready to do this. So that is item number six that I have been afraid to admit to you. And last but not least, seven things I'm afraid to admit to you. Item number seven is another financial one because I have to leave you with personal finance. So the thing I'm afraid to admit to you is for years, I have been putting off learning how to pick my own stock investments. And although I've used fiduciaries in the past, And in case you're not familiar with what that is, a fiduciary is a company that is legally obligated to invest your money on your behalf. But most importantly, they're legally obligated to invest your money for the benefit of you and not be investing in things that are going to line their pockets. So I've used fiduciaries for years, and I still think they're a worthwhile way to get into the stock market for new investors because you don't want to waste a lot of time trying to learn how to pick your own stocks. It takes a long time. It's complicated. I think that's why I've avoided it for so long, but I've been investing for years and I think it's past time really that I learn how to pick some of my own investments and really just take more control of my portfolio and my financial future with my family and my husband and our our future family. So I am trying to take some steps forward there. I'm looking into three things now. Number one, how to identify a good stock to invest in. So how do you actually pick who you're going to invest in? Number two, how do I identify signals that indicate that it's a good time to buy or sell those stocks? So first of all, is deciding, you know, years ago, I would have been like, oh, Tesla looks like a great stock to invest in, right? Like that would have been great if years ago I was thinking of that. But then 
Number two, once you're like, okay, I'm going to watch Tesla. I'm not just going to buy it. I'm going to watch it. Number two, how do you identify when to buy it? And then how do you identify when to sell it? So what are the signals? What are the things to watch for? And then number three, once one of those things happen, once you get a signal and you're like, oh, okay, there's my signal. It's a good time to buy. What is the actual price you should be buying at? And then same for selling, right? So you got to know what stocks to watch, what to watch for in terms of those stocks that indicate it's going to be a good time to buy. In other words, the, the stock price will go down or a good time to sell. In other words, the stock price is going to go up. But then number three, what is a good price to do either of those things, to buy or to sell? You know, you, obviously you want to buy all the way at the bottom and you want to sell all the way at the top so that you make as much money as possible on that trade. But how do you know what a good price is and how do you not get too greedy? So there's a few things I'm looking into now. I've just started doing this research. Of course, I will keep you posted as I do this. But again, for new investors, for people who are just trying to get started, First of all, you need to know when you're ready. Actually, I just created a quiz this week. I just created a brand new quiz that you can take to see if you're ready to start investing. Okay, I will link to it in the show notes at jessicatolar.com slash 018. So go there, grab the quiz, see if you're even ready to start investing. And if you are, I still recommend if you decide that the stock market is where you want to get started, which in my opinion, it's one of the easiest ways to start investing. I still think a fiduciary is a good option for people who are brand new. I think it's the fastest way to get in. And I think it's really important to get your money in pretty much as quickly as possible because every day that passes is missed opportunity to make money in the stock market. So I still think that's a, I, I think that's great. But I also think that in general, as we become longer term investors and more seasoned experienced investors that we should at least look into what it might be like if we took control of our own portfolios. So that is what I plan to do. I will share with you more on that as I make progress, but that is item number seven that I have been afraid to admit to you. So there you have it. There are seven things I've been scared to admit to you, scared to admit out loud. And I'm just putting this out there for the world. Again, I want to keep this real. I want you to see me as a human, someone who is not perfect financially or otherwise. I still struggle with things. I'm not so different from you. And things aren't always perfect. And I think that it's important to, yeah, we want to talk about the good stuff, of course. But I think it's also important for us to talk about the not so good stuff or the not so pretty stuff or the not so fantastic stuff, whatever. I think it's good for us all to remember that life is messy. It's not always one way or the other. It's both. Now, before signing off, I have a really quick request for you. If you have not done so already, do you mind rating and reviewing the show? It takes less than 30 seconds. Just click into the app, hit the five stars, and leave a quick review. Say something that you love about the show. Doing this really helps this podcast get in front of the people who need it the most. I really appreciate your time. Also, do not forget to check out the show notes at jessicatolar.com slash 018 and go take that quiz. Are you ready to invest? Five questions, super quick, and it'll tell you whether or not, in my opinion, you're ready to invest and either way, what the specific next steps are for you to keep moving forward. With that said, thank you so much for your time today. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the seven things I've been afraid to admit to you. And until next time, work less, live more, and keep on chasing your wildest dreams. Congratulations on finishing another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. 
you want more, head over to jessicatabular.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you would, share it with a friend. I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.